Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Yet today, one in every three girls and one in every seven boys are sexually abused before they're 18. That's why the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention was formed. By implementing ECAP's child safety standards, Christian ministries create safe places for children and youth to hear the gospel and grow in discipleship unhindered by abuse. If you're a ministry leader, ECAP offers a free child protection assessment. And if you're a parent, they're offering a free video resource by Julie Lowe, author of Safeguards. For more information or to request your free video, visit ECAP's website at ecap.net. Anchored Hope provides practical help to those hurting by anchoring their hope in Jesus and helping others gain a better understanding of His promises. We offer reputable biblical counsel to those suffering or experiencing difficult seasons. Our counselors are highly trained and bring a vast experience in addressing the various issues of life. To meet with a counselor, visit anchoredhope.co to find a counselor that fits your needs and schedule an appointment today. Today on This Versus That, we are talking with our friend Ronnie Martin. Ronnie is the lead pastor of Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio, and also the author of the recent Advent devotional, The God Who Is With Us. He's a co-host of the Happy Rant podcast, which I personally enjoy listening to. And Ronnie and his wife, Melissa, live in Ashland, Ohio. They have a daughter named Beth, and we so enjoyed this conversation with Ronnie. It's such an important topic, one that I think we all deal with. We think you're going to enjoy it, so let's jump right in. Self-awareness versus navel-gazing. I was trying to think of a different phrase than navel-gazing because that's terrible. Who wants to say the word navel? I hate it. (laughs) Is there another word for it? I couldn't think of another word for it. Nobody wants to admit that about themselves. Yeah, I know. Navel-gazing, it's horrible. Yeah. So I think, Ronnie, probably, I don't know you super well, I know you a little bit, but I would guess that you're a pretty self-aware guy. Do you think that's true? You know, I, I am constantly having a conversation with myself. So I have, I have an inner dialogue that never seems to sleep. So I don't know if that's self-awareness. It probably, it probably leans more into navel gazing, which, is a, which, which can be a form of self-awareness because it, it means on one, I think on one level that you are not afraid to at least attempt to be more in touch with your feelings and to try to figure out and process you know, what's going on inside and where those feelings are leading you. And so I think in that sense, I'm very curious about what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, the emotions that are stirring inside of me. I love the, I love that inner dialogue as much as it drives me crazy sometimes, because I'm also a verbal processor, which means it needs to come out. (laughs) And because that is how I, that is how I I end up, you know, making distinctions and discernments and differentiations within my thoughts. So it's probably a combination of the two, you know, the, the battle is between being, having a good godly self-awareness without it just, just being mired in the murkiness of what we would say is just kind of being overly self-focused, self-consumed and, you know, navel gazing. Yeah. Yeah. How would you use the phrase godly self-awareness? How would you define godly self-awareness? Yeah. I think humility is the first word I think that comes mm-hmm. to mind. I think if we have a growing humility, I think it lends itself to a godly self-awareness because you, you are, you're growing in your, I think your desire to be able to look into the mirror with 
honest introspection, honest reflection, and not be so afraid of what is going to surface. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, I think as we grow in humility, that's one of the things that God grows in us is just, a, I think, a healthy and an honest self-awareness that is willing to say, here's, here's what's going on. Here's who I am. Here's how God is working through the things in my life that have made the person that I, that I am currently. I'm, I'm okay with being honest about that as a way to, you know, do the work required to, to move through some of the pain points that are included in that, I think. So I think I have, I like people, right? So mm. I have a lot of friends and I think my friends are, they each display a different character of who God is to me. Like not everybody is good at everything, but each of them display a different piece of God's creativity and his, his blessing of creating them in a particular way towards me. And so I think being able to distinguish between different friendships of just the gifts that God has given them. Some of those friends are overly introspective and some of them would never think about some things that might be helpful, like really ever, right? I have one friend, one of my favorite people on the planet. She's super positive. Everything's always great. And if something's not great, it's going to be great. Just give it a minute, which I love that about her. Like we joke about it. We talk about it. I'm a biblical counselor. I deal with pain and tragedy and trauma all the time. <laughs> So when I'm talking with her, she's like, oh, I don't know how you do that. But there's got to be this like happy medium, right? Some of our conversations are like, yeah, but if you just sat there a little bit longer, we might be able to work through some of these things with you. She's like, yeah, great. Okay, let's go get a cup of coffee. But do you think there's that happy medium between, like, where do you find that happy medium? I, I don't want to be overly introspective where that's just all I talk about all the time. But then there's that friend who's like, yeah, let's just not talk about that ever. Yeah, I think that's, gosh, that's such a great question. I, you know, I, I am overly introspective. I think, you know, th there's a reason why God makes the artists of the world, right? There, mm -hmm. there, there needs to be a particular level of probably, you know, there needs to be a percentage of introspection with the writers and the artists and the creative people in this world so that they are able to go deep enough to draw out, you know, what needs to be drawn out of the human, you know, psyche and consciousness yes. so that they have something to deliver to the world about what it means to be a human being, you know, living in the, you know, living in the world, the, the fallen world that we're living in, especially if it's from a Christian perspective. So I think for me as an artist, if I'm not careful, I just drown in that world. And I think what's really, what, what has helped me, and especially as a pastor is, you know, is, is to, is to create an other, a, an others oriented side of my life. That is, that is giving myself to other people that is showing curiosity, um, intentional curiosity into other people's lives. Hey, let's talk about you. This always doesn't have to be about me, like, you know, trying to be the sage wisdom guy and the introspective guy and trying to find the deeper thing underneath the deeper thing, you know, every single moment of every single day. And I, I think I, I combat that and my tendencies towards that by intentionally saying, hey, I would love to connect with you. I want to hear what's going on in your life. I want to be a good listener. Um, and that helps me a lot. And But I have to be intentional about that because that is not my natural uh -huh. wiring. I do not bend naturally into that. And so I think there is, is a balance, you know, especially if you are prone to just being so introspective, you, you've got to, you've got to put yourself in front of other people, listen to their stories, learn from them, get the attention and the focus off of yourself. 
especially because I think people like me, they are, there's an affirmation deficit in their lives. And there is in my life, you know, and again, we go back to family of origin issues for all of those things. But so that's something that the Lord has been sanctifying in me because it's really difficult. It's yeah. really difficult because at the end of the day, I, I am the person I am most interested in, in this world. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's, and I, you know, and that, that's, that's something that, that there, there's a brokenness in that. And, and so, yeah, that's just something I've learned, become more others oriented mm -hmm. as a way to combat it. You're, you're not alone in that, right? I mean, Augustine talks about the soul curving inward on itself. And I, I'm just curious, curious as someone who naturally bends that way toward being overly introspective, I'm sure there are many people listening who say, yeah, that's me as well. How would you encourage them to know, like, what's, what is just accepting? This is how God's wired me. This is who I am. Um, and how does that person know when it's kind of moved into more morose introspection or they're just living in their head way too much? Like what are the signs that, that, that there's not the intentionality there to kind of move outside of that? Yeah. I can sense when my world has become very small, right? All of my initial thoughts are about how I'm feeling, what I'm doing, what's, what's going on in my world to sort of heighten my own influence in it. And I, I'm just aware of when you know, I am just sort of like thinking in a pool of everything, Ronnie Martin. And, and that that's because it's so, because that's my tendency, um, I have to be constantly swimming back to the surface of that mm. pool by God's grace. I mean, for sure, because that's not where I really want to go. But I have, but I have to do that constantly swimming back up to the surface of that deep pool. And, you know, being married is helpful too, because I want to care for my wife and I want to give her time, attention, and focus. And so I think for me, being a pastor, being a husband, being a dad, I have opportunities when, when I can look around and I think with good discernment go, you are not giving the time and attention to other people that's necessary for those relationships to flourish. And I can feel the gaps that start getting, the, the chasms that start getting created there if it goes on too long. So I really do think it's a very prayerful and dis, a prayer and discernment issue. And I'm telling you guys, I, I mean, this is, this is a prayer for me, like a daily prayer, like, Lord, I even write these things down. What are some ways that I can give to other people today? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just time, even if it's just, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody over coffee. Don't start making it all about you. Don't, don't answer their question about just saying, well, this is my story and my experience with it, mm -hmm. but just listen with a, with an honest and an open ear as a way to say, how can I serve you? Uh, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a very strange way, I'm being served in that, right? Because God is sanctifying me by, by pulling me out of myself a little bit more. But it is, it is, a, it is such a battle for me. It, it is just, a, it's, it's a brutal, brutal battle. It's so ironic we're talking about this because as my wife has been out of town all week and I tend to, gee whiz, I don't know, get even more introspective when I don't have anybody <laughs> to verbal process with. That, that's been one of my prayers. So it's really, it's interesting that the end of the week culminated with recording this podcast because it's that has been one of my prayers literally every day this week. How how can I give myself to others? Given that I, I've been alone for a week and I definitely have more time. So how, how can I do that even just in this week? But it's all intentionality I, or else I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna sink into a, a, a world where I'm the only one that exists, you know, and that, that's no good. Yeah, I think that word intentionality is so important. I actually, so 
the first time I ever met your wife, we I don't remember what we were talking about, but she, I had been traveling at different conferences and she said, is, are, you're alone. It's so great. She said, my favorite thing is to sit at a bar with a book and read by myself. And at that moment I was like, I don't even know what to do with that. And she goes, oh, we're, we were like opposites. And I was like, in my head, I was like, no, 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 no. It's not that I don't know what to do with it, but I've been with kids for so long that now when I'm by myself, I, it's like a total reorientation for me because I just, it's this constant outpouring of small kids in the home, right? And so I think that intentionality for me has been super hard. I'm naturally an introspective person and I would naturally prefer to be alone reading a book, but obviously I have three beautiful, lovely daughters to take care of, which are awesome, but they're constantly talking. I mean, it's like, there's no, there's no dead space. There's no dead air in our home. So if I'm not working, we're, you know, doing children things, which is great. But I think it's been really hard for me to be intentional, which is partly why I pulled back. I pulled back on writing. I pulled back on a lot of creative stuff because I just didn't have the the bandwidth in my brain to be able to do the deep dive, which is what you're talking about. You have to be able to do that in order to get into that creative space. And so I've had to take a step back from even being creative or writing or the things that I love to do because I just don't have, I don't have it in me to do kids all day long and work all day long and then sit down and, and write or do whatever it is. So I, this is actually, it's super important for me. I need to be better at this. I think as counselors, we're really good at doing this for other people, but to sit down and do it for yourself mm -hmm. is something totally different. So how, yeah, would you, how would you encourage someone like me to take that first step towards, so like on the opposite side, on the flip side of what you're talking about, someone who does need to move towards self-awareness, how would you encourage them to do that? Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, it's funny you brought up my wife because that is, that's, that's something we are very opposite, you know, when it comes to these things, you know, which is ironic though, how God puts two people together that are North pole, South pole people, you know, and then somehow you got to meet in the middle, you know, you, you got to meet in, got to meet in North America, right? You got to figure this, <laughs> you got to figure this life out together. I think it's, it's, it's an act of courage if you're not an incredibly self-aware person, I think to acknowledge that and then take the steps to saying, okay, how do I, how do I grow in something that number one, isn't natural for me? God didn't really wire me that way, or I'm not that way because it's a fearful space for me. You know, it, you know, we're talking about something like for some people, I think, and you guys would know this better than me, you know, when you say, Hey, I, you seem to lack self-awareness and it might just be well to get into a space that feels like self-awareness to me is like trauma. It, 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 it you know, it brings up things that are traumatic in my life, or it, it brings up bad memories or just things that I don't want to face that are painful. And so I think, you know, self-awareness can be something where it's, it can be, I think, I think it exists on different tiers, right? It can be that, Hey, when you walk into the room, just be, you know, don't always say that dumb thing or, you know, just be aware of, of just kind of the, the personality you're putting out there that can be difficult for people. It's, so it's not a make or break life or death thing. And then I think there's other kinds of self-awareness that, that travel deep beneath the surface that are just very fearful places to go. But I think, you know, it's so funny to me how, how much spiritual disciplines, like I think play into self-awarenesses because it, so, you know, the different self-awareness is because we, we have, we have to spit, we have to find time where the Lord is going to meet us in the stillness and speak words to us that we need to hear that are going to tell us something about ourselves and simultaneously tell us something about who God is. So I don't know, I don't know 
what, you know, and he can do that through when we, when, when we are invitational to other people to tell us things about ourselves too. But I think it mainly happens in those more spiritual practice and discipline times. I, you know, and that's where the intentionality comes in. Like, Lord, I, 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 I feel like, I feel like there's something, I feel like my life, there's something in my life right now that I, that I can't seem to get to the bottom of. There's something bothering me. There's something troubling me. I think even having a curiosity in that and then praying that way gives us the, the opportunity for the Lord to kind of speak in. And whenever I've prayed those prayers and I've given myself some stillness and some space, I feel like it's, I always learn something about, about myself. It happened this morning. You know, I was, I was just, I was praying the same groany prayer that I pray literally every morning. And somehow this morning, as I'm looking out and the sun's coming up, it's early. And somehow I got a perspective on something that just felt like it was the first time I'd ever thought that thought. And it's because I just, I allowed there to be time for that to happen. And it wasn't super fun, but, uh, but it was illuminating. And uh, I have no idea if I just answered your question or not. Well, you know, I think as you're talking, you know, the, you know, I think about Psalm 36 and your light, do we see light, right? Like in, in the presence of the Lord, we, we begin to see things, including ourselves more clearly. And then, you know, you have like the living illustration of that in someone like Peter, who, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but he seems like a guy who lacks a little bit of self-awareness as we meet him early on in the gospels. And then as you see him walking with, interacting with Jesus, he's becoming more his, his true self, right? He's becoming more who God created him to be as, as Peter unique in his own ways and yet reflecting more the likeness of Christ. I, I could imagine a lot of people who hear us talk about this, say, this just feels like a big, overwhelming task, especially those who maybe aren't prone to yeah. reflection. And so a lot of times as counselors, we'll, we'll try to break things down and say, let's not, let's not tackle the whole thing at once. Let's just talk about the first step. Mm -hmm. So what would you, what would you encourage someone if they're saying, I can't, I can't get my mind around self-awareness as like a whole life project yet, mm -hmm. but I want to take a first step. What, what would you encourage them to do? Just one thing that they could do to kind of begin to move in that direction. When, when people, when people ever ship, you know, just as a pastor, when, when somebody shares to me, Hey, this is something I would like to do, but there's a fear there, or there's just, I don't know how I always just say, you know, just bring that to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm afraid to do this, or I don't know how to do this and start that dialogue with the Lord, see what he does in your heart. And then see how he either moves somebody close to you that can help begin that process, or you will go to somebody and, and invite that process in. But I think what you just said is so wise, which is, this is not something that can happen overnight. It's not something that should happen overnight. The fact that you are even asking that question is pretty incredible mm. because there was probably that, that indicates that there was a long period of time before that, that maybe you haven't been. Or you've just gotten up the nerve to even ask that you've been thinking of it. Now you're, you actually are asking the question. And I, again, just speaking to what you guys do, sometimes you look around you and you see people that are close to you and you think, I can't imagine having a conversation with somebody that I know that is way too vulnerable for me. And so we encourage people to say, Hey, if I'm, if we're too close, because we're people that you, you know, that you fellowship with or that you have a relationship with that, that just feels too vulnerable, then. Yes, seek out and you know an anchored hope, or seek out a counselor that is you you know that can be a, maybe that feels like a safer place for you to start that dialogue. But I think, but I think just I think prayer is so important, and we we discount the fact that the Lord is eager to help us, and He helps us in a variety of ways. He helps us by 
softening our hearts to possibilities that feel very scary to us. And then he also provides us with the courage to maybe take those, those first initial steps. And he also has a lot of compassion for how slow the process is. He's not a rushy God. And I, I always remind people of that, you know, your, your slowness is, you know, slowness is not less sanctified than just getting there and just doing it, you know? So I, I don't know. Those are just a few things that come to mind. I love this conversation because I think for me, different seasons of life with spiritual disciplines has looked very different. So 100%. in college, when you're just on fire, maybe, and you go spend four hours a day at the coffee shop or in the prayer room or what, you know, whatever your life can look like then. And then you, you could stay up till three in the morning and get up and go to class and it doesn't phase you yet. And you just have more physical bandwidth and time to do that, even though you think you're really busy, right? And then you get your first job or then maybe you get married and the dynamics of your life, the seasons change and then perhaps kids come along and then that's entirely different. And I think being aware enough to say those spiritual disciplines are not going to look the same for every season of life. Take the morsels of spirituality and what God has given you and those moments with Christ where you can, where you can take them, right? Or maybe it has to look different in different seasons of life. I think those transitions and recognizing those transitions are super important or they have been for me anyway, just in different seasons. Of, and now you yeah. can't read the Bible for three yeah. hours or yeah. you can't, you know, devour a book in one setting. You can't stay up all night and read this book because you have to be able to get up and cook breakfast for five other people. It's just not going to work for you. So to be found faithful actually means going to sleep or to be found faithful Man. looks like maybe changing that diaper instead of sitting and, you know, reading through the Psalms. So I think, you know, just some small things. That's been super important for me, but I have to be aware enough of myself to know that there has to be a shift in my actual day-to-day, -day, what I'm using my time for. So. Yeah, I said, that's a great point. If I could speak to that, you know, I, that comes up a lot. And I think that people, I think that people need to have compassion on themselves about the season of life that they're in and to understand that the Lord has compassion. You know, the Lord, the Lord gives us our babies, you know, and like he understands the challenges, you know, that comes with those different stages of life. I think the way I like to process that is, do we have a posture that is always leaning in to Jesus? Do our lives just reflect just a movement towards God? You know, I like to compare it with this. You know, if you were to look at a month in the life of my wife and I, I mean, sometimes these months are just crazy, right? There's times where maybe I'm traveling for five days. We're traveling together for three days. You know, I, I have days that just keep me outside of the house, you know, long hours. I have days where I'm in I, weeks where I don't have a lot of that stuff and we're together a lot. But, you know, if you look, if you looked at, at the pattern of our life, it's always leaning in. So when I'm on the road, we, we are texting each other. Like we always know what the other person's doing, you know, not as a way to check up on the other person, but just, to, but I want to, I want to dialogue with her. We like to know what the other person's doing. We talk about fun things. Hey, what's going on with this? How did that go? How was that meeting? Hey, how are you feeling like this? Hey, I know your neck was hurting yesterday. Is that, how are you doing with that? So when we're apart, there is still a way that we're leaning in. Now it's not the same when we're together physically, you know, it can't be. But there is a way that we are constantly, whatever context we're in, we are moving towards each other the best way that we can. And I think we just need to look at our spiritual life that way in some ways. Are you just leaning into Jesus? You know, is that a, is that a 20 second prayer in between 
you know, feeding the kids, changing the kids. Is that, is that, is there, is there a dialogue that's happening between you and the Lord just that is constant, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I, I think we just, we have a particular as maybe as, you know, American, you know, Westerners, we have a particular kind of rigidity in which we look at our schedules and our spiritual life that I, I just don't think we see in scripture is, is clearly and as systematically as we have sort of designed it. And we just don't have any compassion on ourselves. We, we've just, we've constructed sort of like systems of, of ways of being that, I, I mean, who made, who made that stuff up? You know, I don't know. You don't see it. You don't see don't see the women and the men of scripture living out their lives that way, but we tend to. So that's a hard thing to grow out of though, because we're all raised, we're all raised in this, in this environment, you know? So I, I've given that a lot of thought recently. I'm trying to have more compassion on, on myself in, in those ways, because I know the Lord is not looking down on me going, it's unbelievable that I haven't heard from you in two hours, buddy. You know, that's, we think that way. It's, we're joking, but we think that way, you know, and it's, it's kind of sad, you know. It's interesting. We've talked a lot recently uh, among, amongst ourselves as counselors about how often people come to us with mechanical metaphors mm. uh, for their marriage or for an addiction issue or something. They, they want to be fixed or they want their marriage to be fixed. And how often we just need to shift the metaphor to something agricultural, mm. right? This, this, is where, this is where growing up in North Central Ohio is helpful, right? Like, uh, <laughs> hey, we can we can plant, we can water. God gives the growth, and and often that takes a lot longer than than what we think. I now live in Central Florida, where we okay. have these massive oak trees. And I think you know if I were to like park my chair outside of you know on my lawn looking at one of my oak trees, I wouldn't notice anything really for days, weeks. But over years, I would say, oh, that tree is growing. Like it's healthy. Mm -hmm. It's showing signs yeah. of life. It's good. Yeah, that kind of makes me want to cry a little bit, Brian. Look at that. It's good. Green perspective. I mean, that's beautiful. Mm. I'm, a, I'm a city gal, so I'm just going to have to enjoy the tulips that are in the, in the concrete <laughs> outside the apartments. I want to shift a little bit. Uh, I think this is such a helpful conversation. One of the things that I think we see trending, okay, I might get us in a little bit of trouble here, so we'll, we'll have to speak clearly. I like a little trouble. I'm all about, okay. I'm, I'm good with a little trouble. Yeah. Well, then we are, we may, we may get into a little trouble together. But, okay. So the reality is that personality tests can trend. Okay. Particularly among evangelicals, I think. And uh, social media has really helped with this. It doesn't matter if it's Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, the quizzes that you can take, like find out which, you know, personality friends you are or find out which Harry Potter character you are. Like I'm always going to want to be Harry Potter. I don't understand that. Anyway. So. I, the trend though, there's so many different, you know, you've got strengths finders, you've got Enneagram, you've got, you know, fill in the blank and everyone has a problem with something somewhere along the line, the origins of it or the whatever of it, or the, the lack of something. Why do you think that personality tests often trend, particularly among church people? Yeah. Uh, or rather, do you agree with that? Do you think it does? Or do you think I'm over, overreaching there? Well, I, I'll tell you, it, I mean, I think you could make the case that in some peculiar way, at least in terms of people that work in ministry, the Enneagram has been massive, you know, you know, before the Enneagram, it was just, you took your Myers-Briggs, right? Do you remember who you are? And I'm like, I don't, LMNOP or, you know, I, it's too complex <laughs> to remember. So I never, I can never remember even what I, my wife always remembers. I don't remember because I don't, you know, details are a challenge for me. But so I think before the Enneagram, it was just, it was a little bit of like, you just did it as a matter of course, or because you're, 
you're part of some cohort or some, you know, something where they, they want, they want to know your strengths and weaknesses, but the Enneagram very, I, I think in a very peculiar way, just kind of caught fire, especially among church staffs and ministry workers. And I, I think, I think there was something about the Enneagram that clicked on a more personal, less like academic level with people because it kind of, it was for me at least, and for at least people that I know that have enjoyed it, it, it allowed us to not narrow everything down to one thing, but see how, you know, all these different personalities encompass, you know, we have a, we have a range of personalities, you know, if we're going to use the word personality, I know that the hardcore Enneagram people don't like that word, but, but we, but we all have a, we all have a range of characteristics, you know, that, mm. that make us holistically. And so to be able to say, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a four wing three, but a lot of that, and I also have some of that, and I ain't got none of that over there, you know? And I think there was just something that tied in with when you're, de when you're determining like the unique strengths and weaknesses that kind of play into ministry output, it seemed like there was something that, that, that was really helpful in that for people that think about these things from a, from ministry standpoint. I, you know, what do people take it too far? I mean, yeah, when they forget my name and they just remember my number and then they call me by the number, probably, you know, but I, I think as a tool, you know, I think these things can be helpful, but they, they have to, you have to keep them in their context. Um, I don't even know if that was your question, but I, I think it was more of a, uh, I think we, to, I always go back to this, wrong to something specifically because it, gives me a sense of control back in my life about whatever it might be. And if, again, self-awareness, I think there's, a, you know, the, the good kind of control in our lives scripturally would be self-control, right? That's the good control. So I'm always asking the question, do I want that? Is that creating a good, a sense of good control, a good self-awareness in my life? Or is it creating kind of an earthly control that just makes me want to be the ruler of my own kingdom and empire and environment. And so I, I wonder, maybe this is to your point, to your question. I wonder if all the personality testing stuff is just a way that we just feel like we have a greater sense of, you know, kind of control over our lives and being able to know that about somebody else, it allows us to have control, a little more control over their lives as well. Maybe that's the negative side of these, of these things. And I don't know if that's what you're asking, but maybe that was it. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I wonder we, it's this, we know that we need to know God. We know that we need to know Jesus. And once we know more and more about him, we know that we want to know when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Right. And so I, I kind of wonder if we've in teaching that, and there's obviously it's good and right and true. Have we kind of left behind? Yeah, but you also need to see where you started so that you can see where you need to go. And yeah. so it, it, it's like this parched land that when you give it a little bit of water, it just wants a whole lot of it and ends up drowning yeah. in it because That's uh, really I didn't good. realize I could even see where I was starting. I just blindly am going to look to Jesus, which we do want you to. <laughs> Obviously, like, yes, when we, the more we know Jesus, then we know what we're being transformed into, right? Like perfect and complete lacking in nothing. But it's that lack that if we don't see, if we don't have self-awareness and what we are lacking in, how do we even know how to grow? Yeah, and that's really good. I think maybe it's that as 
ministry practitioners, we've left behind the reality that you also need to kind of know who you are and how God's created you. And I don't know, but I do think there's something there that we've, we've maybe missed somewhere along the line. And it's so, you know, it's funny, personality tests, tests are so personality driven, you know, you know, for, I, I just, I eat, I want to know as much stuff about what makes me tick as possible. I just, I love it. I, you know, and it's, you know, it's maybe it's because God has given me those tendencies and, it, you know, there's, there's a brokenness in those tendencies too, obviously, but, but I'm just, I, I want to know, I feel like there's, there are, there are, I feel like there are unlocked boxes. There are locked boxes in my soul that I would like to see unlocked because I feel like they would give me answers for other behaviors and ways of thinking and processing. And to me, that would just be helpful. And then I know I, I've had conversations with other people where they're like, I am just so happy with keeping those boxes. In fact, if, if you can give me another couple of locks, I'll throw them on there so that they ne make sure they, they never become unlocked. And so there's even a, there's even a personality that goes into that. Right. And, and some, and, and again, that's, some of that is just the way God has created us. And of course, a lot of that is influenced by a ton of other things in our lives, but, but yeah, I, I want to know more. What I do with the knowledge I have is another story, of course. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, back to that self-knowledge and self-awareness, especially if we're talking about it from a ministry context, I think we can do a lot of damage if we, if we keep that box locked, you know, to other people, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm always skeptical of myself taking those personality tests because mm -hmm. I, I always think as I'm reading the questions, I know the version of myself I'd like to present to others. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So how do I answer this question so it comes out the way I would like? And I'm, I'm always wondering, am, am I really being honest here and yeah. learning about myself or am I just projecting the, the view of myself that I, I really want to be to have out there? Yeah, I know. I always think with I always think of those tests where just we're lying through 50 percent of them. And hopefully, hopefully the hopefully all the all the computer stuff on the test is like sorting through that. You know, there's my there's my techie. There's my techie word of the day for you. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's really difficult. Because I'm always, it's always like, well, am I somebody that sees the idealized version of me constantly? Or am I willing to say, no, it's actually, it's actually that, man. That is, that is actually, that is actually the way that you, you know, kind of move through life. You know, not, not this other way, not this fully sanctified, beautiful, you know, I'm, you know, one step away from meeting Jesus in the air version of myself, you know? So gosh, I, it's so, that's so difficult, so hard. Yeah. Well, and that's such a, it's so important because like the most sanctified version of Ronnie or Rebecca or Brian, you know, is like, we're still going to be ourselves, right? We're yeah. still going to reflect those unique qualities that God wired into us, even in our most sanctified state. Yeah. That's really good. Do we see Jesus exhibiting self-awareness in the Bible anywhere? We're preaching through John six right now. And I think when he's telling everybody that he is the, the true bread and unless you feed on his flesh and drink of his blood, you, you know, you won't have eternal life. I would say that Jesus was the most self-aware person that's ever lived because he was able to, he, he was not, you know, he had this perfect relationship with God, the father, which means he knew exactly who he was and the testimony that he presented of himself was 100% accurate. And we have no ability to do that. We just, mm -hmm. we, we lack so much ability 
to do that. I mean, even right now on this, on this podcast, I mean, I am, I am putting forth a version of myself that I want you guys to like, and I want you to think is at least kind of intelligent, semi-intelligent, you know, occasionally funny, you know, (laughs) on a good day. Um, So it's just, you know, and I, I think what I think sanctification is, is it's sanctification in a large way is just becoming your true self. And you're, you're growing more in, in the comfortableness of your brokenness, which is becoming more of your true self. And, but Jesus wasn't, he, he wasn't working through brokenness. So there was, there was a sense where everything that he said about himself and every word that he spoke about the world around him that he just happened to create, you were getting absolute true, unfiltered truth. And I, and, and that's just, impo- it's an possibility for us. And you know, what's so funny is I think the people that we look back, that we see in our lives, they're usually older people that we admire. And I think we are just seeing more of that self-aware true self, Hmm. that, that more, that, that is more a reflection of Jesus. And, uh, you know, I had a guy, he used to be an elder for us till he moved away. And he was just an older saint. He was 75 years old. And just so much wisdom, so much kindness, so much patience. And I just thought, I don't know. I, I can't imagine this guy being any other way than he is because I always see him being the same person in every context I've ever seen him in. And to me, that was just a greater reflection of, of if we could have spent time with Jesus, you know, we would have, we would have seen that, that, that the, the trueness of his reality come out, you know, it's, yeah. The consistency in nature. hundred percent, yeah. So it's really, yeah. it's shocking to think about actually. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just recently mind. heard someone make the comment that, you know, if, if one of the reasons Jesus is so unpredictable is because mm-hmm. he's not embodying just a particular personality trait or, you know, he wouldn't just be one number on the Enneagram, right? He, he really is the fullness of humanity. And yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And so like, you know, if, if there was a script where I was the main character, like I'd be, I'm a pretty predictable guy. Like you would know. Right. Exactly how I'm going to respond in every situation. But then we, we yeah. see Jesus and it's like he responds to Zacchaeus in one way. And we kind of think, OK, there, there's the mold. Now we know how he's going to do it. And then, you know, he, he responds to Mary and Martha in a com- completely different way that, that surprises us. And like at every turn, Jesus is surprising us. Yet yeah. Ways that, that say, ah, that's what I want to be like. That's that's what it looks like to, to live in fullness. Man, that is such a great that is such a great point. That That is really insightful the way you just laid that out. I'm going to think about that. Yeah, that, that's, that's really good. And don't you think it's because he knew them so well. It was about loving the person across from him. Yeah. We so often want to display ourselves in those situations, but what he was really doing was how can I best love that person across from me, which is why it would be different from Zacchaeus to Mary and Martha, right? Loving the other person. Mm. Yeah, exactly. What, yeah. Who they are, where they're at. And I think that was, that's why that's why there, that's why Jesus had these different ways of interacting. But it, but in the so he had these these multitude he had these variations of ways that he interacted with people, but they were all one hundred percent him. And so I, it's you know there was a there was a you know there was still a four dimensional aspect of Jesus that that we don't have. You know <laughs> he was fully man, fully God, and and we are just you know fully man, fully woman, and uh, you know it's. There's limitations there, I guess, Sarah. Yeah. And, but then recognizing he created us on purpose for a reason in a very particular way to 
walk out in the in the works that he's planned ahead of us for us yeah. to, to for his glory right and so yeah, that's good it does motivate us to see our brokenness so that we might walk out in the fullness of how he created us and get that benefit and the privilege, the true privilege of journeying with him in, in this life. So we experience yeah. him. I tell people all the time, I think counseling is the best job, biblical counseling is the best job in the world because you get to see God work. There's nothing yeah. better on the planet than watching yeah. God work. And when those light bulbs go off for someone or when someone lays down their weapons in a relationship, that's the, that's the good stuff because you're actually just watching miracles happen in front of you. And mm. So it's really, it's a privilege to come alongside people, but we can experience that even in our own lives as we seek to draw near to him and be transformed. And yeah, should mm, we just good. sing the doxology now? We could just sing the doxology. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ronnie, this is, Super encouraging. I'm so glad we started out our morning with you and with this topic. Uh, and that's so nice. Thanks. Thank you. I think the three of us could probably sit here and talk about this for a whole time. I think so. I, I think we're just, yeah, we're just skimming the surface for sure. But yeah, this is really great. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to This Versus That, a podcast of Anchored Hope Virtual Counseling. To learn more about this episode or our ministry at Anchored Hope, visit anchoredhope.co. Are you spending too much time managing your website, designing graphics, or trying to figure out how to grow your digital platform? Maybe you know you should be focusing on these things, but you just don't have the time. At Marketeering, we believe that no brand should lack the creative tools needed to grow and thrive. We can help you uncover what makes your brand unique and develop a strategy for helping your brand stand out from the rest. Right now, we're offering a special rate to get started that's exclusively for this versus that listeners. Visit marketeering.co and schedule a brand assessment with us and receive 50% off. Just mention this versus that in the contact form.